to how publishing works from Caxton to Kindle. Publishing is a massive complicated industry. It began in England with William Caxton in the 15th century and it is still evolving. I'm Kate MacDonald. I'm a publisher and a literary historian. And today I'm in conversation with Nick Parker of the US distribution company, Ingram Publisher Services. Welcome. Thanks, Kate. Uh, it's great to be here. And thank you very much for the invitation. Oh, good to have you. So Ingram is a very large beast and you distribute our books, which is why I know about you. And it contains several subsidiary companies. But overall, would it be a fair summary to say that Ingram distributes books produced by publishers to send to bookshops and to individual customers? Yeah, that's fair, Kate. Um, I, you know, for context, I run the Two Rivers, Two Rivers Distribution Group, part of Ingram Publisher Services, uh, and that's the distribution wing of Ingram. Two Rivers works with a select group of clients. Uh, we service their sales, marketing, and operations partners. And outside the distribution brands, Ingram has several other businesses, which includes Ingram Wholesale, Lightning Source, which is our printing division, and Ingram Library Services. So yeah, we pick, we pack, and we ship the books uh, to customers across the US and into international markets. And we work directly with our publishers to ensure the books reach the customers as quickly and as efficiently as possible. We work with physical bookshops, large and small, but we also partner with online retailers. And in many instances, we ship books directly to the end user. And we call this consumer direct fulfillment. That sounds like a million and one jiffy bags are being dispatched every day from Ingram. But also, you're doing this worldwide, aren't you? It's not just US to UK. We are doing it. This is uh, global global distribution, uh, and our clients can choose whether uh, they work with us in North America or whether they work with us in international markets. So where do the books live? Okay, so in the U.S., Jackson, Tennessee is our primary warehouse for our distribution clients. Um, we have several hundred staff working in that distribution center. Uh, then we also have a warehouse in Milton Keynes in the UK where we, we have around 60 people working in the warehouse. That's purely the operations team, not the offices or the finance teams or customer services. Uh, so it's a big operation. And then again in the US, uh, outside of distribution, we have four other, we call them DCs, distribution centers in, uh, in the US. So there are five big warehouses in the US and then our, our, our UK uh, hub in Milton Keynes. That is enormous. And then you have partnerships with, I know, at least one company in Australia, New South Publishing. We do. And so where we don't have uh, representative sales reps on the ground, uh, we partner with other organizations. So in Australia, we work with New South. In Canada, we work with the Manda Group, who are a fantastic uh, sales team as well. So wherever we don't have a physical presence, uh, we also um, employ the services of agents. Again, in Australia, we actually have a printing uh, facility. So uh, we can print books in, uh, in Australia. We can print books uh, in France. We can print books in the UK. Uh, in the Middle East. So uh, you're right, it's a fairly extensive operation, both for a, for a distribution business and uh, and for a printing business. And are you the only really big distributor out there or are there other big competitors? No, there are other uh, large distributors and 
two rivers we really uh, we compete with Penguin Random House and Simon and Schuster. What makes us unique is that we we're not a publisher, so we are first and foremost a distribution a, a distributor of uh, clients' content, and we don't have a publishing uh, arm which may or may not compete with our clients' books. Mm-hmm. Well, that keeps it a little a little cleaner, possibly. So how did you move into distribution? Were you in publishing mainstream before that? So I uh, completed a master's in 20th century literature, uh, and then I began my professional association with books with a stint in the cookery and gardening department at Hatchard's Bookshop in Piccadilly, London. Uh, I then moved on to Palgrave Macmillan in the UK, uh, where I was an academic sales rep. Uh, it was a lot of fun knocking on doors and speaking to academics about their course books. Uh, I had several sales management roles at Palgrave before leaving the UK in 2008 to get married in the US. Um, my wife was a, a science publisher for Macmillan and, uh, and I came over to the US uh, to get married. And then my first job over here was at Oxford University Press, where I managed international sales into Latin America and the Caribbean. And from OUP, I moved to Bloomsbury and ran the U.S. international sales division, spending most of my time on Harry Potter. And also at Bloomsbury, we worked with a distributor, Macmillan, and I started to understand the relationship between the publisher and the distributor, so after five years, I applied to be the director of Two Rivers and uh, the skills that I built up over 15 plus years of working with publishers uh, and books uh, turned out to be a good fit. So I bring my love of books and reading together with my market understanding as I advise clients on myriad aspects of the, of the business. So I would argue that it is, it's a creative endeavor, even though I'm not physically making books or, uh, or editing manuscripts. Yeah, coming up with new ways to sell books has to be creative, yeah. Right, so let's start with the basics. Um, so when a publisher signs up with Ingram for distribution services, so just distribution, and the stock is moved to the warehouses, does it go anywhere else? Or does it stay in the warehouses until the sales be- come in? How does that work? So the, so the way it works, and I'll sort of go back a little bit, Kate, um, because before we can even receive books into our warehouses, our publishers have to enter their metadata into CoreSource. And CoreSource is Ingram Content Group's platform solution for the distribution, management, and storage of digital content. So before you can physically put your books in our warehouses, we want to manage your digital content in our digital warehouse. So, um, and I'm sure your listeners know this, but books are made up of all sorts of different elements, ISBNs, trim sizes, page numbers, price, weight, format. Is it a paperback? Is it a hardback? Is it an ebook? So these constitute the metadata. And so for every um, book that requires distribution, we need all of this information to be entered into CoreSource so that we can then feed or push the data out to the global accounts. We also need it in CoreSource before we can receive the books in our warehouse. Otherwise, we'd have no idea what books are in the warehouse, where they are, and how to get them out of there. And how much space they're going to take up as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so once once the books are entered into CoreSource, the book is essentially live. 
uh, and visible for the world to see. We then send digital feeds to Amazon, Barnes & Noble and any other retailer that has an account with Ingram. How does the warehouse store books? Because they come from the printer in the printer's own cartons. And presumably these will differ in size depending on the book. So does the warehouse, do the staff um, unpack all the books or leave them in the original boxes? How does that work? So in, a, in an ideal world, the printers and the publishers review our warehouse guidelines. And, and then... <laughs> and I'm laughing because we don't. Of course we don't. <laughs> to ensure that the box sizes conform to our specifications. So we therefore not unpack every book that arrives on the pallet at the warehouse. Uh, things are pretty sophisticated these days. And, uh, you know, we're able to accurately forecast how many copies certain titles are going to sell a week. Um, and we call this the rate of movement. So for faster moving front list and back list titles, we are going to unbox those books and put them in what we call the forward pit line. Um, some smaller books, uh, smaller, not in size, but in the amount of copies that are going to go out into the market, uh, they're going to be located and picked whenever there's demand. I've seen pictures of an Amazon warehouse, for example, where you've got colossal alleyways and aisles with huge numbers of shelves with metal racks full of all sorts of stuff and books. And you've got people in forklift trucks roaming up and down to pick the books. Is that what happens in, a, in an Ingram warehouse? I'm thinking about the scale of it. I mean, to, to an extent, yes. Um, I mean, we're automating as many processes as, as, as we can and trying to make life as easy as possible for the person who picks the books. Some of these people picking books can walk up to eight miles, eight to 10 miles a day. So whatever we can do to help them find the books more quickly, uh, the better it is for us and for the people who are picking the books. So we put, as I said before, we put the faster moving books in our forward pick area. So this is the, the main area for the, for the new titles, because we're also trying to cut down on the amount of walking uh, in order to locate the books. For larger orders, obviously, faultless trucks are going to be employed. Uh, and we always try to consolidate the orders and do things as efficiently as possible. But I suppose your um, analogy is pretty pretty accurate. Uh, the books all have a unique location. Each of the pickers can locate the books with relative ease. Um, but we can always do more and automate more. And by consolidation, do you mean that when an individual bookshop asks for multiple copies, some of which may or may not be ready to be sent out. They haven't had their, they haven't passed the dues date. How do you manage that? Well, that's a good question. I mean, if, if people, people can set their accounts up for consolidation. So a bookshop may say, don't ship the books until we have a full order. So we have seven different publishers with 15 different titles and they want those books to arrive in one, one order. If people need books immediately, we will split them, and as soon as something's ready, we'll ship it out. So it just depends on the way that the, the customer themselves decides to set up their, their account. When we began in the book trade, we discovered that there were such a thing, not just distributors, but also wholesalers. Now, can you explain what the difference is between a wholesaler and a distributor and also what being on consignment means? OK, so there's several parts to, to that uh, question. Um, I'll start with consignment. So 
Consignment means that we, so that would be uh, Ingram, are holding stock on behalf of the publisher. So Handheld Press, for example. We don't own that stock. You own that stock. So when the holder of the stock, that's Ingram, sells the product, an invoice is generated, and the publisher is then paid for the goods. So this is typical of a distributor relationship, whether that's in the US or the UK or elsewhere. Um, some retailers also work on a consignment model. Hobby Lobby in the US or Amazon Advantage also work on consignment. So really, the way to think of it is that you own the stock, but we're selling it and we're going to raise the invoice. Um, and that's kind of, we have the relationship with the, with the accounts. It may be easier for me to sort of explain why Ingram is is different. Uh, certain wholesalers have bowed out of the market. So Bertram's collapsed in 2020. And that was in the UK, yeah. In the UK, yeah. And then Baker and Taylor in the US decided to exit the trade wholesaling business uh, and just focus on libraries. Uh, that's because wholesaling in itself is, is challenging. Um, the wholesalers play a really important role in the industry. Most publishers don't own their own warehouses. Um, it's very expensive to run warehouses. So, you know, that's one thing that a, a wholesaler brings uh, to publishing that publishers probably don't want to get into. Um, we, Ingram, continue to be successful and grow as an organization because we're able to offer a variety of services. So we're not just a wholesaler. We're a distributor. Uh, we can offer printing solutions through Lightning Source. And we also have a powerful consumer marketing business which supports publisher, pu- publishers with analytics uh, and data to make their business better. Because Bertram's collapsed because of the pandemic, um, this caused a lot of damage to the industry in the UK and a lot of publishers lost money because it just disappeared. And then for quite a while, we were left with one wholesaler in the UK, which is Gardner's. And then Ingram decided to become a wholesaler too. Now, why did that come about? Were you deliberately going into the hole that Bertram's had left? Yeah, there's, a, there's an opportunity there for us to, um, as, especially as we, we'd also um, built a new warehouse in Milton Keynes for our distribution business for IPS UK, uh, there was an opportunity to use that warehouse as well uh, for wholesale purposes. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, there was, a, there was a gap in the market. It's always good for everybody to have competition. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, it started, we've started fairly on a small basis, but uh, it, over time it will grow. It's interesting because when I go around to look at independent bookshops, like small bookshops in the UK, Many of them already order from gardeners because they can order several books, like one copy of many, many different books, and gardeners deliver every day. And that's naturally more efficient for them than ordering from the publisher direct. Sometimes they will order from Ingram direct. They will already have an account. But if they're going to order from Ingram wholesalers, that's going to sweep many of them into a slightly different way of doing business because... Yeah, it's, 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 it's almost a new kind of animal. In a way, Ingram's move into the UK is extending its reach and it's also developing the services in a way that no other distribution company has done so far. Would you say that was reasonable? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, 
it's been a successful model, clearly a very successful model in the US. And um, Ingram started as a wholesaler, you know, remember that. But um, if we look at the market share now of what proportion of our business is for wholesale versus what proportion of our business is distribution and what proportion is lightning source. Wholesale would have started out at 100% and that percentage will have uh, moved. It doesn't necessarily mean the market shrank. It just means that Ingram grew. Now, I just wanted to tease out the differences between what is a wholesaler and what is a distributor, because to me, they're still slightly confusing. Wholesale is distribution. I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're almost synonymous. But if you think of distribution in terms of client distribution, so publisher distribution or distribution services, which is what you're part of with Two Rivers, that is very different from wholesale. Wholesale distribution is just sending the books into the market, right? You're not going to have any salespeople working for you if you're just working directly with a, set, a wholesaler. That's just you generating demand and the wholesaler having the books and shipping them out. But it's all it's all distribution at the end of the day. I mean, distribution is a broad term for getting things out of one place and to another, you know. Yeah, and I think what you've just said has clarified things beautifully. There's a a rather sad little category, and we have this with other distributors as well, called Hertz, which is appear the Hertz appear on our inventory list. And for a long time, I got really quite concerned about these Hertz because they mean books that are damaged or books that really are no longer saleable. How do they come to be? How do Hertz happen? So you're right. Hertz is a very sad um, term um, for the damaged books. Um, they're usually books that have been returned to the warehouse because they've not sold in sufficient quantities in the trade. Um, as you can imagine, the more times a book is handled and touched and moved around, the more chance there's going to be for it to be damaged. Um, what we do is we can help you manage uh, your hurts. And some people ask us to recycle or pulp the return stock. And others ask us to put the hertz into a shroud, which is another sad term. Oh, my goodness. I've never come across that. And the, the, shroud, the shroud is a, a large container um, that the damaged books go into. And then you can choose to work with a remainder company who may specialize in selling the imperfect stock to discount stores and accounts. Uh, other hertz are donated to charity. So, you know, one of the things that we're looking at at the moment is working with publishers more closely on their inventory, helping them not to overprint, not putting as many books into the accounts right from the get-go, and trying to mitigate against the amount of returns that come back to the warehouse. So we're spending a lot of time and effort trying to figure out how to do that and a lot of that needs a crystal ball because nobody can ever anticipate how well a book is going to sell or how badly it's going to sell and it's it's such a juggling act right absolutely and we have to we have to pay for warehousing and that's the other problem yeah the services are not free i've seen sometimes that um stock moves around within warehouses within the us but how how do you calculate that, say, a warehouse in the north northeast of the U.S. is going to need fewer copies of Book X, and actually there's going to be a massive rush for it down in the southwest. 
for example? The systems that we use are, are pretty sophisticated, and we're always collecting a lot of data from publishers. Um, we're able to spot current trends in the market. We can figure out how many books to transfer to other warehouses based on regular sales data that we're combing through. And in planning print runs for, for books, we evaluate the comps or comparable titles whose performance can serve as an indicator of potential sales performance. Um, consumer demand, as you know, Kate, because you've had plenty of review coverages coverage over in the US, it's largely generated by publicity and marketing. Um, people are more likely to buy the book if they've heard of it. If a publisher has reviewed the, the book in the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the Wall Street Journal, there's going to be more chance that consumers are going to buy the book. Same goes for TV interviews. Um, yeah. Selection by popular book clubs like Oprah or Reese. Um, and if the author wins a major prize. So all of these factors go into um, supply and demand. Can we talk about Amazon? They are the biggest bookseller on earth. They also get large discounts from publishers, which they require in order to give the publishers the space on their virtual shelves and in their warehouses. But given that many, many publishers have got massive overheads due to all the other middlemen in the equation, can Amazon still continue to be the biggest bookseller on earth and claim these massive discounts? I mean, is that just the way it's going to have to be? At the moment, I can't envision vision a new a new world where that's not the case and um, amazon are the the largest account not just for us but for every um publisher that we work with um they you know amazon account for between 40 and 60 percent of publishers sales um so where barnes and noble Target here in the US or even Walmart during the pandemic took a little bit of market share away from Amazon. Amazon still are the behemoth that reigns supreme. Um, we don't treat them any differently other than their size. You know, um, if Amazon placed an order versus an independent bookstore, there's going to be no um, difference in the way that that order is picked. Um, but because of their size, obviously we have a we have a team that works closely with that account um, to ensure that we're set up to fulfil their orders. Because the first account that any publisher looks at uh, and sees if they're out of stock with Amazon, that's a big problem. So if you lose that buy button, the Amazon Prime buy button, or even the that's the first thing that people will see. Um, if their books are not discounted at Amazon, people immediately are upset about it. Authors get upset about not being available on Amazon. So there is a lot of work and effort that goes into um, making sure that uh, Amazon is um, supplied with books and making sure that uh, things are working smoothly with them. Um, but as for whether we can see them moving out of the book industry, they've, they've really confirmed that, that, that books are central to their business. Um, and uh, and I, don't see, I don't see them going anywhere in the near to long-term future. It would take quite a revolution to make that happen. We've, I mean, most publishers working with Ingram have cause to be very grateful for the, the skills you employ with your Amazon team because managing the Amazon algorithm, working out how 
to get the right keywords and the right boxes and the right place in the metadata is it's an arcane science and you presumably you have ex amazon staff on your team who have been trained that way and now can help from the other side to help publishers market the books most efficiently within the amazon infrastructure and i think that's an, another sort of advantage of working with a distributor is to take the onus of working directly with amazon away from the publisher so you can focus on publishing great books and we'll work on uh, figuring out the headaches uh working with their accounting team working with operational issues working on mapping challenges where the metadata isn't flowing correctly so we're able to sort of forensically dig in and figure out what certain challenges are at a level that maybe the publisher can't we also speak to them every single day which i'm sure a publisher would not want to to do uh, and we do have a person directly working at amazon that we can call upon at any time oh that is good okay Recently, Amazon has changed its ordering policy for books located in the US into the UK. Now, Amazon is planning to only provide books that are already in present in Europe to European and UK customers. So that sounds to me like Amazon is passing on the shipping costs onto the publishers. Is, is this going to be a difficult problem for US publishers and authors, really? I think we're still trying to figure out where that business has moved. So we would supply Amazon Europe. So it's really the Amazon Europe account that we're talking about. We would supply that account from the US, from our uh, Jackson warehouse, for example. Uh, that no longer is the case. And so all of that business has migrated and Amazon is ordering from a different distribution center. Um, we've seen some of that demand move to the UK warehouse, to, to our Milton Keynes warehouse. Um, but I also think that lighting source, being able to print in, uh, in Europe is, is going to be a business that, that will grow. Uh, we have a partnership with um, Hachette in, in France where uh, we're able to um, print books uh, alongside Hachette in in the French market, which we we can move out out of France to Belgium and other European territories, we can move books from the UK pretty uh, pretty quickly into Europe as well. So we're still just trying to figure out where that business has moved. There's definitely been uh, a realignment, and uh, it's early days for for us as well. You know, I think Amazon sort of couched it in. Um, a green initiative uh, to reduce the footprint from moving books all the way from the US. And there is some uh, obviously common sense in, in that. Uh, and your point as well, Kate, about um, them uh, passing over or uh, shipping costs, um, you know, that there may be something in that as well. But uh, let's let's see. You know, I think it's, it's very early days and uh, we still haven't seen... Um, we haven't seen where all of those orders have moved to yet. Yeah. I feel for the, the small indie publishers in America who may not have big distribution deals and may, may now be completely stuck. They will have to physically ship their own books and it's going to cost a fortune because Amazon will no longer do it for them. That's I think, is where it's going to be felt most hard initially. Okay, I think we've come to an end. So thank you, Nick, so much for these insights into how distribution works in the business 
Um, very glad to have you on the program. That was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate. And uh, hoping to see you see you in the US at some point in the not too distant future. Well, that would be lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Kate.